that. Let, Friday the 13th, part 3D from 1982. Whew. Tagline for this one, a, a new dimension in terror. <laughs> <laughs> the music drastically changes in the opening of this as well oh, as God. the graphics. There, there are so many pros and cons to this movie. That that opening intro music, I'm going to throw this out there. That sounds like the music from Return of the Living Dead. I'm just going to throw it out there. It really does. I'm not going to lie. Think, it was sick. Um, and I think this movie came out first. So oh, mm, shit. Props to this movie. Yeah. I mean, it was um, the only word I can come up with is pretty iconic. This it's, is peak it's got, 80s. It's, it's oh, got it that is. funky beat to it. Yeah. It is peak 80s, big time. Got that synthetic sound, you know, synthesizer sound, excuse me. Um, they started codenaming this these movies, by the way, uh, and when they were doing production, because when people by this point these movies were infamous, and nobody when people found out where what they were filming, like they would shut down the production because they didn't want to be associated with it. So they had to like name it something else so nobody know what they were actually filming. They started naming some of these movies after David Bowie songs. So this one was codenamed Crystal Japan. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's it about? <laughs> What's this crystal Japan, man? That's far out. What would you, what do you, well, can't tell you. You just have to wait and see. It's a movie. <laughs> uh, directed by Steve Miner, uh, written by Martin Kittrosser and Carol Watson, who did a screenplay based on characters by Victor Miller. Uh, music again, Harry Manfredini, made on a budget of $2.2 million, made $36.7 million, which is the highest grossing installment yeah. outside of the original. Man, this good return on investment. <laughs> um, really good. Uh, principal players in this, the wild bunch, as they were called in the movie. Yeah. We have... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, Dana Kimmel playing Chris Teen Higgins, uh, who's the final girl. Richard Brooker playing Jason Voorhees uh, as the slasher, finally, with minty fresh hockey mask. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Paul Kratka uh, playing Rick Bombay, the boyfriend of Chris, and God almighty, you couldn't pick a more white guy in the history of white men to play that Mm-mm. part. He also looked way older than her, but they are the same age. I was genuinely shocked because she looked so young. Um, get, the, the thing that throws me, and this is jumping ahead a couple of characters, but the characters that plays like fake Tommy Chong and then his, his fiance or, you know, whatever, the stoners. Yeah. They were supposed <laughs> to be in their 20s. They looked like fucking 40 year olds. Yes. yes. <laughs> what? They were supposed to be in their 20s? 23 <laughs> is their age. Drugs are bad, officially. children. <laughs> <sighs> People people aged way more in the old days. Um, and most people don't know this. Archie Bunker back in, in on that TV show was supposed to have been in his forties. What? Yes. Oh shit. He was forty six, I think. In real life? <laughs> yeah. He looked <laughs> fuck brakes look beat off of that guy. Oh my god. <laughs> Holy shit. You know what they say is that um specifically the Golden Girls. They obviously were not in their golden years when they were filming, but they, they're claiming that it was like the hair color and the hairstyles. So they put different, like people did their makeup a little bit differently and did different hairstyles, and they look like the age they actually were. <laughs> I just, I, it, it's, 
I, I started thinking after hearing some of these this data about these people supposed to be in their thirty and forties. I'm like, they must be slipping adrenochrome into the water now for the general populace because nobody looks that old anymore. Like at those ages, like they just don't. Well, we're trying not to. <laughs> How many pieces you were? Uh, uh, um, two or th- two or three. We have uh, Catherine Parks playing uh, Vera Sanchez. Uh, who has brought along his potential date for Shelly, and she has a take-no-shit attitude. Talk about if she... disappointment when she saw who she was going with. Oh, God. <laughs> womp, 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 That's womp. a blind date from hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give Fatty a chance, slut. Um, speaking of Fatty, we got Larry Zerner playing <laughs> Shelly Finkelstein, <laughs> who is a goofy bastard and a prankster. And uh, he, but he does provide Jason his hockey mask, so golf clap for him. Yes, definitely. I mean, he did fight <laughs> off those punks, so or he did outsmart oh, them, I should say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he uh, but he he kind of bitched out whenever he first ran into him. So I mean, he uh, he he only barely saved face in that situation. Yeah. I gotta give them credit though. The fact that they gave that side story to Vera where she came from a poor family and she had an EBT card back in this time period, that's that's actually kind of I don't know, like that's a lot of development for a character in one of these movies. I yeah. just throwing it out there. Hmm. <laughs> Cause that whole scene was about the fact that she could they didn't accept her food yeah. stamps basically at that, that store. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> and that I mean I mean and and the food stamps, I think, were fairly new at that point in time. I think they started that program in, like, the 70s or something. Which so. is kind of weird because, I mean, it's not SNAP because SNAP is for basically for moms or families that need to feed. But it's weird because maybe it's just nowadays um, you couldn't be a single-person household getting that. So I'm like, I, I can't tell. Was she a teenager that had she was living with her mom that when she was picked up to okay. go, because uh, her she was having a fight with her mom, and then they're like her siblings were kind of screaming in the background. Okay. That was the whole setup for her family. That makes sense. So then they could have just been food stamps from her mom. Yeah. Okay. And I I just thought that was kind of out there. I was like, for the time period, like that's I mean that's progressive if you want to call it that. Yeah. Not in the way that it is now but i mean it was kind of a you know different take on a character i'm gonna be honest with you i completely did not catch that i mean obviously i saw it um but yeah i'm just uh i I, why why i don't understand why it was in the film I, i it didn't give me any sympathy for the character i guess was it supposed to do that it well it depends i mean i if you grew up on food stamps at any point in your life, which I don't know if you did or not, but I'm just throwing it out there that I might have. And I just like saying, I, I kind of felt sorry for the character in that little, little instance. So it did work for me at least having been in that background, you know, yeah. cause you could tell she was embarrassed by the whole thing, you know, and was like, Shelly, do you have money since this person, you know, won't accept this, you know, but I mean, it was totally different time period. I mean, well, it's totally different situation because this part of the country, people actually, not only would they take your food stamps, but they would take them behind the scenes, trade them for other yeah. stuff that you weren't supposed to be able to buy. So <laughs> different setup. Some street prescriptions. <laughs> well, that or booze. I mean, oh, like, yeah. you know, uh, in dry counties, that's a good way to get your alcohol is to kind of trade behind the scenes the food stamps that they can turn into the government and get paid, you know, and get the money back for the booze that they're sending out the back door, basically. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, we have Jeffrey Rogers playing Andrew uh, Beltram or Beltrami, who is uh, Shelly's friend. Uh, Tracy Savage playing Debbie Klein, Andy's pregnant girlfriend, which that is ugh. the fact that she ends up getting killed later on. I don't know. That gave me the ick a little bit. You know, the fact they set up that she was pregnant or, or poss- at least they, they hinted that she was pregnant. And I, then, I didn't even know. Yeah, she said it in the car. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, I can't have the weed because I'm pregnant, man, or whatever she said, you know. And, and I was like, ugh. I was Proves like, that okay. Jason murders kids. Uh, he did. <laughs> it does. He no. could not have sensed she was pregnant. It doesn't matter. He murdered a kid. He <laughs> did, technically did murder a kid. I take it back. He does in that instance. So Population control. He <laughs> lives in the woods. That's a thing. He was thinking fucking hippies. <laughs> Uh, David Cadams is playing Charles Chuck Garth, who is a poor man's Tommy Chong, uh, and looking like he's 40 some years old. Uh, Rachel Howard is playing Chili Jackson. <laughs> what fucking names? Who's Chuck's fiance and, and a fellow stoner? I thought it <clears> said, <throat> it says finance. <laughs> nah, I hit it. Yeah, the, the, that's the, uh, autocorrect. I know. I was stuff. like, wait a second, financer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Nick Savage plays Ali, uh, Kevin O'Brien plays Loco, and Gloria uh, Chalice plays Fox, which are all the bikers that have run with Vera and Shelly, and then try to get the revenge on the kids, but fuck you all, you picked the wrong place to try yeah. to stop and guess. Um, wait a second, <laughs> is Tracy Savage and Nick Savage, are they related? <clears throat> um, I had never hinted that they were, and like any of the stuff, what? I mean, like they didn't act like they were. You know what, though? They weren't even trying to siphon gas. That's what he told that girl, and then he told the dude, go pour this in the barn. Yeah, well, they were Yeah, they were trying to set the barn on fire. Yeah, he, he just lied to the girl. He's like, yeah, we're not going to do anything. He's like, go put this in the barn. We're going to light this bitch up. <laughs> well, the joke was on him because they all got fucked over in the end anyways. Uh, David Wiley, who plays Abel in this, who is the homeless doom prophet that has to show you the eyeball in glorious 3D. That's grody. <laughs> I'm going to stand here for like three minutes while you stare at this thing shoved in your face. Ah. Uh, Sherry Mogwins, who's playing Edna Hockett, the co-owner of the general store and cafe. And then Steve Suskin, who plays Harold Hockett, though, the owner of the general store and cafe. The local food inspector obviously didn't check that shit heap. I'm just going to say, like, they were fucking licking shit, drinking out of bottles, putting it back. Yeah, he was. That was awesome. (laughs) You know what? In my head, I can totally see somebody from the 80s that owned a store doing that. 100%. Well, that's that's true. Think about the fog. The kid in the convenience store. Just yeah, picked that's up the true, orange juice. He, he got the milk out and was drinking it or yeah. whatever and put it back. <laughs> there was so, and like that was back in the day, right before they started like putting the caps and stuff on like Tylenol that were like, you know, uh, so tamper proof. So, I mean, like you could put all whatever you wanted and shit like that. Oh my and God. people just had to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, there was that one lady who poisoned her husband with cyanide. And then uh, she she didn't want to look bad, so she started poisoning other cyanide bottles and killing other oh, people. Oh yeah. <clears throat> and it's I don't I mean, and you just think about that, like all these people that like got some kind of like stomach, you know, a terrible stomach bug or something, just because they were drinking after these assholes that were putting shit back yeah. on the shelf, they weren't even thinking about it. Gross. <laughs> 
timeline for this movie. Summer of 82. This is two years, mind you, before the the counselors were attacked at Pakenak Lodge. So this is, we're going back in time a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, Chris Higgins, while staying in her family's summer home, gets in a fight with her parents and runs away, only to have a run-in with adult Jason Voorhees, making her technically the first person to encounter him. So keep that in mind. She passes out while in his grasp and awakens to find that she's back in bed. Her parents refuse to speak about the incidents. So right there is a setup for she was potentially raped. Mm -hmm. Not in the movie, but kind of hinted at. How, how do you um, know? How do you know the time frame? I'm kind of curious because did they let on to it in the movie at all? Uh, they hinted at it, and then a bunch of you know people who were like crazy about this stuff went on. Uh, there's like a wiki that you a fandom wiki you can get wiki, on, and wiki. like they've tracked this stuff down. They went back and looked and said when can Friday the Thirteenth uh, could have happened in this particular year. Like they've done the research. Like they, it's crazy. Like what they've done with this stuff. I have also and I think done. They, oh. There's been like some comics and stuff that's came out that's filled in the gaps too. Um, I have also done the research, and Saturday, July 14th, 1984, is a real date. <laughs> Which is the day that Jenny is uh, is found at uh, Pakenak Lodge. And later that night, Jason Voorhees steals a new pair of clothes from the clothesline of Harold and Edna Hockett and then proceeds to murder the two of them. He overnights at the Higgins Haven. Um, so... This takes place literally, the, it starts out the same night that Jenny uh, survives uh, her attack in part two. That's how close these movies are. Yeah, his outfit significantly improved in this movie. <laughs> well, he had to. He got the clothes from the Hockets. They had better clothes. And what not can only you that, say? His outfit still, his outfit is a Dean Winchester outfit. It is. It, I, I thought that the entire time. I was like, is Dean stalking yeah. right now? That's what it looks like. Well, even there's no way because Dean Winchester is short. <laughs> Jason well, actually the, got some height on him. you say that because Sam Winchester <laughs> is actually in the, the remake. So that is we'll true. Get to that. All right. Uh, Sunday, July 15th, 1984, a day after part two, mind you, uh, Chris Higgins and five of her friends pick up Shelly Finkelstein's blind date Vera at poor girl and travel to her family summer home, Higgins Haven. They are all killed one by one, uh, by Jason, as well as three bikers that followed Shelly and Vera back to exact revenge upon them for damaging their bikes. Uh, Jason takes his iconic mask, uh, hockey mask from Shelly during this time period at later that night. And, uh, Chris recognizes the man who attacked her two summers ago. And she's the only one that survives Monday, July 16th, 1984 police find Chris talking hysterically about a lady in the lake, having dreamed maybe that Pamela Voorhees attacked her. This is the same Monday that is shown in part four, uh, when uh, later that night, when Jason is picked up or whenever they pick him up and take him to the morgue and that sets off the events in part four. So all this stuff takes place over just one weekend, basically. I, all three movies. I appreciate how they did that. <laughs> so this movie, I mean, it's crazy when you think about it, but hold on. So this one, on the same page, this movie, the third, the third one takes place before the second one. No, it takes place. It starts uh, right when, after when uh, Chris, when Chris encountered Jason the first time, it was two years before the second movie. Okay, okay. But in the but this takes place one day, one day after the second movie. Okay, that makes more sense. And they're not technically at the camp, but they're on Crystal Lake. 
Yeah, it's like he just moved to a different section of the lake. It's like they're all around the lake in different sections. Um, body count for this movie, 13 people. We have Harold, who's got a hatchet to the chest, Edna with a spike through the back of the head, Fox, who has a pitchfork through her neck, Loco, who's pitchfork through his chest, Ali is beaten with a club, survives only to have his hand chopped off, and then he's chopped up later on in the movie. So <laughs> Ali gets all kinds of bad shit to him. Uh, Shelly has his throat cut. Kind of deserved it. He's a fucking piece of shit. Uh, Vera uh, got a spear gun through the eye. Classic kill. That uh, was a Andy, hell of a good kill. It was. <laughs> and that's all thanks to Shelly, too, because uh, what motherfucker brought a spear gun? Like, a... Like I know he had that trunk, but that trunk carried a spear gun, like you know the like everything in the movie. Like he was fishing out of this like one little trunk that was uh, it, it ridiculous. But it's like a clown car, <laughs> it was. Um, Andy just simply gets killed with a machete. Debbie, who's pregnant, so that's a twofer, mind you, gets knocked <laughs> through the chest. Is that like included in the kill count? <laughs> um, <clears throat> Chuck is electrocuted. Uh, when he goes to check on the generator. Uh, Chili has a hot fire poker shoved through her stomach. And then Rick has his head crushed open until his eye pops out. That's that's a pretty good kill, except that the effects were a little wonky on that yeah. one. His head looked a little goofy. That guy, I, to me, it was debatable. Did he need to die more, or did Chili need to die more? Well, here's the thing. Uh, stray observations that I had, I mean, going just skipping ahead a little bit to that, both of those people acted like shit in this movie. Like the, this has the worst acting of all the movies, like bar none. Oh yeah. Because Rick as flat as he can be like, I'm just a regular yeah. white guy. What do you need? <laughs> I'm just a, re and then Shelly is just like, I mean, I, I don't even know. He, he's not acting. I don't know what that is, but it's just shit put on film. That's all. And he admits it like that actor. I'll give him credit because he came back and he said they didn't give a shit about the acting in this movie. All they cared about was the 3d. And that's then. So he, he probably got no direction during the movie from the director saying that he sucked. And so I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying his character was terrible at acting in that, in this movie. So both of them, Deserve to die <laughs> for different reasons. According to Jason, uh, all of them deserve to die. Prove him well, wrong. That's that's true. Uh, quotes from this movie. Uh, How come you don't scream like that when we have sex? Uh, from Chuck. And then Chili responds, give me something to scream about. I was dying. <laughs> I was like, that's dirty. That's real dirty right before he dies, too. I mean, hell, hell of a thing to say. They didn't know. <sighs> He, he could have got killed in the outhouse, so he at least got spared that indignity. Uh, we'll get to the guy who gets stabbed while he's in the shitter later in part five. Oh, yeah. Poor demon. Poor demon got done dirty. So those <laughs> enchiladas, they, they'll set you up for a bad night. It was a shitty death. <laughs> oh, but I'm... <laughs> Uh, observations, Rich, to me, these are just what I noticed. Richard Brooker is the best Jason of the first three. Um he just, I like how he, he's, he's, he's got more of a physicality about him. Like yeah. he's deliberate about his movements. I, I liked him the best of these first three movies. He looks like he has, he is both younger, but both has matured because it's possible that, because I'm fucking screaming into the mic here. It's possible that he, the Jason in part two was basically like, uh, he's older, but he, or 
he's older technically, but you know how when guys mature, they go from that round body to like a little bit more form. Jason, you can tell he's eating a lot more meat here. <laughs> he's been working out. Eating he's his been... victims in his death shack. Yes. Yeah, he's doing something. He's uh, he's chopping down some more victims or wood, you know, tomato, potato, building houses, uh, hiking the woods so he knows the area. With That way he can only, you know, at night with only one eye, he, he has a good, you know, a navigation. Uh, so he's getting fit. But it makes him almost look younger because I swear, like, the part two character looked older, maybe just sloppier. I don't know. I wouldn't call it fit. Hey. I would call it training. Possibly. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but he's just way more polished in this movie versus part two. He's just, his movements are goofy in part two. Like, oh, he's yeah. just like some bumbling, you know, what? well, I mean, Hill Jack, which is what he is, just, you know, stumbling through the woods. This one, he's like, I know how to kill people and I'm going to fucking just kill them. Absolutely. Like, you know. Technically, this, you could make the argument that in this movie, he's like possessed. Like, he has early stages of demonic nature. So he's starting to get some of those superpowers. Well, the crushing of the head, for especially like he that that's kind of superhuman strength. I mean, when you get right into, I don't care how strong. I mean, the human skull takes a lot of pressure to pop like that. Well, so. now in the second one, he took that machete to the back of the head, or back of the neck, like you should be technically paralyzed. And here we are, stalking the prey. No, yeah, that's true, and and not really. Even, um, I mean, there, he really doesn't even show that he's hurt in this movie. So I don't know. It's almost like he's got that regenerative ability already. That's what I'm saying. He yeah. Early stage. He's like level one demonic power. Oh, my God. He is um, <laughs> in everything he does. His movements, his walking, uh, his uh, breaking through fucking doors <laughs> or walls, uh, swinging the machete, uh, more strength. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's because the actor is strong. I think the actor is just a good actor because you could be holding a, something that is supposed to look like it's heavy, uh, but in reality it's not because you're filming, and make it look like it's heavy because of how you're moving it. So, yeah, and I and I think that's part of the problem is there, you know, or I think the re, but the well the main difference between two and three is that just Richard Brooker was way better at like being able to convey like that character the way you know than than the dual character actors did in part two because that we get the trivia here in a minute uh there 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 was two guys working at odds with each other in part two to play the same character when this, oh, yeah. when this guy just went you know he was just doing his thing the whole entire time. Uh, did you notice how his shirt is? I mean, and it makes sense because he stole his clothing, but like the shirt's a little high watered on the arms. <laughs> I ha I have a gift, so yeah, I I didn't notice it, but that that's hilarious. Here, I'll resend it in the death holler chat. Um, another uh, some more observations. Tom Savini is mentioned in a magazine, a character's reading. <clears throat> so they're giving him a little bit of credit in this movie for the makeup effects, you know, that started Jason, even if he didn't do the effects in this one. Yeah. Uh, Rick and Shelley were absolutely awful actors. Like I said, just stiff and flat delivery. I did like the setup with the bridge, uh, because they show it at the beginning of the movie as being in bad repair when they first drive over it. Like the, the beams are, you know, like the, the, the boards are getting ready to or flopping up. looks like they're getting ready to snap as they're first driving in. And then uh, the fact that they set up that the bikers were siphoning the gas, you know, set up for later when Chris tries to escape in the van, oh, which yeah. was actually smart, a smart thing for 
her and she just kind of got screwed over because like she not only did she have you know no gas to really or well she had to flip to the reserve but like she was stuck anyways because that bridge was broke you know <clears throat> so it was a good setup yeah when they were going over the bridge at the first time, they were fucking str- like fucking sh- zooming through that fucking bridge. I was like, holy shit, that thing's rickety as fuck. And then not only did she lose the gas, it's on the bridge, and the bridge is like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's like even if she wanted to go, there's no, she's not going to have any uh, help with it at all. So, yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, one observation I had is why the fuck did Chris dream of Jason's mother at the end of the movie? This, I don't understand that at all. Like how would she have even known anything about, uh, mama? Well, I mean, she could have known probably mama Voorhees like story, but a, why would she have uh, like dreamed of like a corpse version of her? I mean, it depends. Cause Jenny was the one that saw <clears throat> the corpse, but this wasn't Jenny. Yeah. I mean, depends on what the local newspaper had. Because this is back in the day when they did report shit like this. So if if in if the reporters had caught wind or got pictures of what was in the cabin when they found Jenny, because she was being pulled away at the camp, then it's possible that she saw, she kind of had that in her head. Local legend, because she was already at Cap, or excuse me, at Crystal Lake, she already knew the legend too. So... Yeah, they just, I don't know. It struck me as odd that she, that's what her mind would go to in the dream sequence. I mean, I know they were just trying to copy the, the dream sequence from part one a little bit and kind of reverse it and have it be, you know, the, the mother this time. But I was just like, mm, I just don't know why <laughs> she would dream of that character. Yeah, it, uh, it didn't necessarily make sense to me, but... Because, um... I mean, you could argue the reason that, that Alice dreamed of boy Jason is because, I mean, literally... Mama Voorhees kept talking about her son drowning as a, as a boy, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, it was, you know, like she had that hammered to her head right before she, you know, uh, went out on the canoe. Whereas in this one, like, I don't, Mama Voorhees was never mentioned. So why her of all, all things? There's two things that got me is remember when, when, when the two main characters went to that spot so they can be alone. Um, you talking yeah. about at Crystal Lake? No, no. The, or at Camp Crystal the, Lake? The goofy dude and the and the, the two flat characters. Oh, okay. They go and the guy leaves his goddamn headlights on. Oh yeah. And kills his car. <laughs> Number two, his windshield wasn't broken anymore either. Oh, I didn't catch that. <laughs> you didn't miss you missed the part where they went into town and got that fixed real quick. Oh yeah, real quick. Real yeah. fast. Because back then that's how things worked. This like well, day. I mean, if there was a windshield place out there, they technically would have a surplus because nobody's getting their shit fixed in the middle of, of nowhere. Beatles? <laughs> Absolutely. Those were popular cars back in that day. Not out in those neck of the woods. <laughs> yeah, and, they, and, did they have safe light back in those days? To safe flight repair, safe flight yeah. replace. There, there wasn't logistical <laughs> supply chains like that to service foreign cars like that. And number two, did Jason throw the dog out the window or did the dog jump out the window? I know the answer, but I don't know if Reverend knows. Um, I don't I don't know off the top of my head, no. First off, I'm pissed at you because I sent you the Wikipedia on Muffin and on this dog. <laughs> we'll call him Buck. Buck. <laughs> and uh he jumped out the window. There's they said no that he was way. trying to escape uh he was trying to escape death. Or danger or whatever is is the reasoning behind it. Look at I don't make the rules, but I find out if the dog died. And that's what I found out. <laughs> that's what that's house glass. There's no way the dog jumped through that window. He's a wild animal. 
You don't. <laughs> it's tempered glass back then. No See, way. You know, there's some debate on whether Muffin actually was in that or that last scene was kind of like, uh, you know, uh, a whole thing about her, like, you know, having dreamed that stuff because, yeah. um, the you know they they said that the like there's a scene where there's like a dead animal that looks like muffin oh like yeah earlier in the movie yes I did I did read that part too um and my final answer is that muffin is alive and well to this day okay but um that was part two that muffin was in by the yes. way I don't think there was a dog in this one no no so. no I think he's thinking of um I think it was the Oh, I don't even think it was the fourth one. Maybe the fourth fifth. one, yes. Uh, Gordon. Mm, Gordon, good, yes. Good yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Never he jumps it. out the window, yes. Good boy, Gordon. He did not jump out the window. There's no way a dog would have did that. <laughs> okay, that is it. He has forced me to do it. I am going to Gordon's very own Friday the 13th fan wiki page. <laughs> did the dog die? <laughs> no. The dog uh, didn't die in the movie. They show him in, fo- in future photos. That's the reasoning for... Horseshit. Yeah. Uh, let me see. I can't read the whole thing. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, we should probably move on for this. But uh, according one, to his page. One other thing that I had an observation about was the people <clears throat> in this movie seem to die like they do in those old-timey westerns where literally one cut. And yeah. Like, oh. you know, just, <laughs> I mean, it's a big difference when you go from watching Terrifier 2 where somebody literally has, like, their guts out in front of them and they're still, like, conscious somehow and having to live through all this torture versus this one where, like, one little, you know, I'm not little, but, like, one stab and they're like, Ugh. You know, it's like they're yeah. instantly gone. You watch Leonardo DiCaprio and the Reverend, and you turn around and watch one of these. It's like, I don't know, man. I've seen a guy get attacked by a bear, and he managed to make it happen. Um, <laughs> our, okay, <clears throat> both of you, uh, Friday the 13th, the video game, which our son plays. Um, are you familiar with the Tommy tapes? Yes. Okay. Uh, Gordon was found in the woods alive later on and was reunited with his, with the Jarvis family as shown in the Tommy tapes session That's three. That's fake news. I'm not buying that. <laughs> he, Gordon is alive! <laughs> Anyways, that's where we're at on that. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what you want to discuss about this movie. I think we kind of just discussed everything that goes along with it. Um, as far as the acting's terrible, it's the worst in the series. Like, but visually, <laughs> there's some good kills in it. Uh, I I agree. I I think it's just iconic for the for the premise that he got his mask in this one. Yeah, it's. It's iconic for that, and also the 3D. If you can, if you can watch it that way, they actually the 3D is actually good. I mean, for what it is, they did put effort into that. It's kind of obnoxious at times, though, if you're watching it 2D because you clearly see the setup. It's like, oh wait a minute, let let me uh, hold this like long pole like toward the camera, like so that you can see it for a split second. You know, it's that sort of thing. See, I wish but, I could have um, seen the the spear gun in 3D. Uh, yeah, I that would have been, been a cool, cool. effect. Yeah. Um, even the intro to it, they say that the, you know, like when the credits come rolling in in 3D that, and like, you know, they, they really jump out of the screen if you can watch it that way. That's, it's so funny. I mean, just what it was, it was very nostalgic. It was, it was just kind of funny. He's like, wow, this was, this was the, the shit. Yeah. The yeah. This was the shit back in the day. See some of the movies I do have on our Plex server and are, are in old school 3D that, that two split, um, red and blue. And I, we have yeah. a bunch of 3D glasses, so you can actually watch some of the stuff in 3D. And that's and even though it's old school, that you can still get a pretty good effect out of that. Like, oh yeah, old. big time. Uh, did it, you guys remember when the 3D TVs came out? The flat screen 3D TVs. Yeah, they those had a things. Short yeah, they had life. a short life. What was the deal with those? Did they just not perform well, like in regular? Well. The, well 
it's mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily that it was like there wasn't movies to support them like there yeah. was a short window there when avatar first came out where everything was going 3d like when we were getting ready to cover the next episode after these uh my bloody valentine uh that was the the remake was in 3d and it was good 3d too like mm-hmm. i watched that in the theater and like i mean but it was like that short window right around, you know, Avatar. And then after that, like nothing was made. I mean, they, well, there was for a while, but like just it was the Marvel movies and like, and they did it poorly too. It was like that instead of it being the 3D that popped out at, you know, toward you, it was like the in, in the screen type 3D. And I mean, I personally never, it never did anything for me. Like I think Toy Story, three or four one of the two of them was that same way it was like you could see depth inside the screen but like it wasn't the same effect of like the stuff you know like you know coming out of the screen yeah i remember Um, my stepdad had one of those those tvs very short-lived as well yeah well and the the shitty thing about it was you you had to have multiple things to get it to work you had to have the 3d tv you had to have the 3d glasses and you had that were you know connected to the player and you had the 3d player so you had to have three different things to even oh, see the shit. 3d yeah fuck that <laughs> yeah and and so even if now i mean they still sell the 3d players but i mean there's you can't really find a tv anymore so i mean it's you know even if you've got a 3d player you can't really do much with it yeah well, you can with plex plex has an option for side by side so basically, when you have the file, there's two independent um, <clears throat> files that are on it, and when it streams right. it, it overlays it on the fly, and so you don't need a 3D TV to watch it. Okay. So if you you can watch 3D on a regular TV, you just need the glasses. It does work. Well, uh, it's not work. amazing, but it's not terrible either. It's pretty legit. Um, and and they brought 3D back recently in the theater just for this new avatar that came out but i like i said i don't think i mean it, it's a fad that came and went i don't think most people care anymore <clears throat> I mean, that, that movie was so bad Ugh, dude. <laughs> i tried to watch it and i was just like wow we're stretching well, it tangent but i mean they're they're the story there's non-existent stories in them they're just there for the visuals that's literally all you're watching them for um because it's the same old, like, you know, natives getting displaced by colonizers, blah, blah, bullshit. You know, like, it's been done a thousand times. It's a, it's a cowboy, you know, versus Native American story set in space. Um, and that's it. Um, anything else about the uh, movie before we get into the Death Holler Awards for this one? No, I think we kind of went over the importance of Jason as a slasher or as, you know... The the main, well, the fucking horror in the film. This is Jason's first level up. He, he got some powers and he got a mask. It's how we it's a, how we know him, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the iconic look for him. Um, yeah, whether he's a zombie or a human, still uh, the mask covers all the horror, the gore. So you really just have this massive being that's just going around terrorizing people. Yeah, this is his first level up. He got some gear and he got a new level. <laughs> Um, what do y'all think about the final girl, Chris Higgins, in this one? She's pretty annoying. Do you know you know what makes her bad? It isn't that she's a bad actor, is that she overacted the role. Yeah, I agree with that. I I can't disagree with that. The thing that I thought that about her is that she's I mean, and then some people actually like her quite a bit just because she's also one of those that you know goes on the offensive against Jason. Um 
and I, I give her credit for that. And the whole thing with the, the van, like she kept her calm during that and like flipped to the reserve. So, you know, cool, whatever. But the thing is, I felt like she was such a flat character versus Vera. I think Vera to me would have made a better final girl because she had that spunk to her. That would have made her like stand out a little bit more if she would oh, have yeah. been the one to survive. Especially in the beginning, right in the beginning, she's in the house she's yelling with her mom. She's like, okay, we're ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that in the scene where she stands up against the bikers, like, I mean, she point blank stares down, uh, you know, uh, Fox or whatever. And that scene's like, I'm not going to bow down to you, bitch. You know, it's <laughs> like, um, and then I don't know, like they, they gave, they gave her so much development, you know, they went back and added development to Chris. Don't get me wrong. They had that whole two years ago story and all that. But like, I don't know, just something about Vera, like she stood out more to me. I was like, I kind of wished, How about you know, the- they how about the fact, like, how many Mexicans probably lived near Crystal Lake back in the day? <laughs> well, That's a legit question. It is, actually. Um, but it's weird because I, I think that, too, because places like that you kind of would assume would be expensive or that's full of white people. But I have found that, well, maybe because it's newer times now. Maybe it was back then. Not, definitely not very many. But I've always found that there's always, it's like they all live in the same house, too. Like 13 Mexicans living in a one-bedroom house. Yeah, because it's true. You know, and that's the thing. And that's where hey, I'm like, that's at, what, and she is on welfare. Think about your yeah. dad's situation. <clears throat> Yeah, they're two um, Mexicans. <laughs> you, you all know where Crystal Lake officially is supposed to be set at? Like what state? Minnesota? No. New Jersey. Oh. Oh, wow. I thought yeah. it was uh, more <clears throat> in the rural area. No, it's New Jersey officially is where it's set because that's where the first movie takes place. No, I mean, that makes sense for the city that we saw. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make sense because I didn't see nearly a lot of homeless people in any of that stuff. <laughs> I'm just telling you, that's where technically, if you go by the where the slashers live at, you know, like uh, I think uh, Freddy's, I, I want to say in Ohio, like Indiana, Ohio, and then like, uh, uh, you know, of course, uh, J- uh, Jason from New Jersey, and then you got Michael Myers, who's from Illinois, I mean, from Haddonfield. So, I mean, that's kind of where they're, they're from and their general locations. So... <laughs> I just said it's funny too because where they film some of these movies, it's about as far uh, after the first one, it's as far from New Jersey as you can get. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> um, uh, what do you all think about the uh, uh, clean mat hockey mask Jason in this one? I think we've already kind of discussed it. I, I think he's a level up, just like we said, and that he's and mm-hmm. that Rooker did a better job playing the character. I like how the mask is the start, like it's it's got to be clean because he just got it, you know. But it gets its iconic gash at the yes, end of the at movie the end whenever it does. she, you know, takes the axe and chops into it. Yes, and um, he he's so excited to have it. <laughs> you can tell. He's a whole new uh, man. Yeah, he went from wearing a sock to having legit math. Yeah. And you can tell that the producers were super mm. happy, too, because uh, this is the best way to not have to spend money on makeup for the main character. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the defense on that mask has got to be at least a plus three. Yeah, it's, it's a lot better than a damn sack over the head. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, best, kill in the mo- best kill in the movie? Uh, to me, it's that spear gun to the eye. It oh, has yeah. to be. Uh, for me, it's Chuck getting electrocuted. Yeah. The spear gun's <laughs> such a good scene. This is fact, she's like, hey, stop fucking around. And then all of a sudden, it dawns on her like, oh, this isn't showing. Yeah, that was hella funny. <laughs> but I think I just liked seeing the brute strength of that guy being thrown into the power. <laughs> I'll give you that. 
Uh, and then some people might argue Rick's head crush, but like I said, I don't. I think the effects are bad on that scene. It just kind of the crush of skull looks. Yeah, it's just uh, best scream in the movie. Uh, what I noticed was when Chili uh, finds oh, yeah. uh, fried Chuck. <laughs> yes, by all by all means, that one stood out. Can we, can we um, talk about a signature thing, thing that Jason does? Is that's epic all the time? Is him throwing bodies to. Yes, through through the the glass. That is my room. favorite thing, and you know what it's coming to. You're like, oh, body's gonna yeah. come flying through. Take this shit uh, back and just throws it back into the house. I just uh, yeah, throwing bodies in the house. But I, my favorite thing is in part four, which we've not got to yet. We will in the next half of this podcast, where he throws the one of the twins out of the house through the window. Like it's just, <laughs> I mean, he just eats her right, like straight out. Get that stinky cat pussy out of here. Oh. <laughs> uh, best boobs. Uh, it's, uh, it's Debbie in this movie. Um, it's, uh, she's the, she's the one that shows an extended period of like her, you know, boobs or whatever in the movie and just like leaves them hanging out there for everybody to see. So. She's the only uh, one that shows new profit. Huh? Uh, Abel's just a sleepy dude no, in the road, and he, no. he he likes to collect eyeballs. There was a no. Hold on, we're sorry. We're still talking about boobs. Um, there was a few boobs I thought at the lake scene, and there was even one where they did the humpback no, whale. You're thinking of the one with the twins. Oh, I'm thinking that's the one part with the twins. four. Part oh, four has bad. a lot of boobs. Yeah, okay. we'll get to part four. There's a lot of full nudity going on. Okay. Yeah. It's all getting convoluted, everyone. <laughs> yeah. This one just had just uh, pretty much Debbie. Like, she's the only one that really, you know, goes topless in this one. You get uh, a gold star for those titties. They were the only titties I know. Oh, my God. The, okay, so the Doom Prophet, yes. Annoying as fuck, but that's because he was, like, he was actually trying to be a prophet. Yeah, uh, like a legit, like, yeah. biblical prophet. Yes. Like, the hand of God will, you know, blah, 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 and yeah. And those people, like, they stuck around my way longer than I would have. I'm like, y'all some stupid-ass bitches, and y'all gonna die. Uh, best side characters? I, I liked Harold and Edna. I mean, the, the, I don't like, I wouldn't have shopped there if I'd found out what they were doing, but, I mean, I liked their back and forth because they just gave each other shit, you know, the entire time before they died. Well, probably literally gave each other the shits uh, no, with how yeah, well things were being taken too. care of. Uh, best side characters for me were definitely the rabbits. Oh my god! They are survivors. Oh my god! It would grab. It would have been awesome if you grabbed them by the ears and slammed them against the wall. But Jason does not harm animals. Uh, that's debatable. He is a that, kind. He is a gentle giant. Uh, yeah, it was the snake that killed him, wasn't it? Yes, it was. That was sad. Out the screen or whatever. That was pretty cool. I don't know. My favorite uh, is Shelly. I think Shelly's character is hands down the best side character. Oh, my God. Well, we're about to get to his award here in a few minutes or a few seconds. He did an awesome job. The whole The whole idea was to get everybody to hate him. Tell me he didn't do a good job at that. Oh, he, the act, I mean, yeah, they did a good job as far as, like, people hating him. But, yeah, it's uh, – uh, I give him another award. And I want to go ahead and say it. He gets the Honorary Franklin Award. Yes. Uh, for the most <laughs> annoying fucking character in the movie. <laughs> That is true. He does. I can't take that award. I can't give him another award. He does get the honorary Franklin Award. So I'm going to tell you why I think he's the best character. I'm all about <laughs> fucking with people when the right opportunity presents itself. This girl just had major trauma very recently, and he just ramps that shit right back up for her. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's why I give the dumbest moment to Shelley because he basically <laughs> fucked everybody over in the camp. Uh, like his, cause he kept playing pranks on people. They got their, like uh, the only person who was still had their guard up was Chris because of her trauma. Everybody else was like, Oh, it's fucking Shelley, you know? And then, Oh no. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's literally the reason they die. Cause they're, uh, you know, a well, part of it at least mm. because they, they, they keep thinking it's him fucking around. Yeah. His death was a se- second close death to me because that was when she was like quit playing around and he's like legit dying right in front of her (laughs) um a second dumbest moment i'm gonna give to jason himself because he allows his fucking hands to be rolled up in the van doors like how he can crush a man's fucking skull but then his hands get trapped by a fucking window or like car window hey if she she hand rolled that window up hella fast what about the fact imagine her jerk off skills Okay, this guy, <laughs> this guy is a professional savage killer, and he lets the biker dude live. Oh, he, he didn't know the biker dude was alive. Okay, this guy's a pro at knowing when people were dead. Uh, I mean, maybe he just wanted s- him to come back at the last second so he could chop him up or something. Yeah. Maybe he's playing with that one. Like that was like, it's like, no, you think you're going to live? I, I've got you. you it's you, like playing you, with just, your food. You stay where you're at. You know how like you know how like whales throw their the seals no up way. in the air to play. Because Jason is an overachiever when it comes to killing people. I mean, it is the one thing he excels at. He's so good that when you're dead, he still fucks with you by throwing you through the fucking front glass. Okay, let's <laughs> let's use, okay, let's use this analogy. You're a hella good technician. Okay, does that mean that you don't have your fuck up sometimes? He, he already put the work in by stomping this dude down and he walked away without doing any type of other damage. Jason's type of dude that will stomp you, then stab your ass a couple of times to seal the deal. I thought he slashed him a few times because no, I he, thought he was legit. Like, I thought I was surprised when I saw this guy get up, unless I saw somebody else get slashed in that barn prior. But I really thought it was the black guy getting slashed the first time and then getting slashed no, a second if time. If I remember, he hit him with a hammer or some shit. Reverend, can you confirm? Um, he no, he hit him with like some kind of club-like device. And okay, that's all he really did. Yeah, I'm surprised he. I'm surprised he got up, but yeah, I mean, hey, look at it doesn't fit Jason's mo. This is the same dude that picked up a sleeping bag and beat the girl to death on the side of a tree. He's feeling really good. He's seeing this his 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 rape victim he's seeing her again he's got another opportunity he's got a new outfit he's feeling fresh he's got a new mask and she's not going to recognize him he is not he hasn't got the mask yet first number 2 he doesn't fuck around when he goes for the kills well he fucked around and he found out this time but he definitely didn't <laughs> fuck around the second time <laughs> he took care of the problem pretty, yeah. pretty uh, effectively the second time. Like, I, I thought mean, Jason he, he was, was in chopping trouble. chopping off parts so the guy couldn't come back. Oh, That's yeah. the part I love about it. It's like, oh, you fucking came back to life? No, hell no. You're not getting up from this one. Yeah. Um, third dumbest thing in the movie, although it's it's just a minor thing. It's just a fact because it's in a dream sequence. But where Chris is sitting there and she's in the kayak and she sees Jason yeah. up in the window <laughs> and she's like, Oh, it's driftwood. Uh, I'm gonna keep fucking around with driftwood. Yeah, I'm no. not gonna try to get out of this boat and try to get away. Or, I'm how, so glad you said something because I about, was like, "What the fuck is happening here?" How about the fact that she goes, she leaves her house and goes sleeps in the woods? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna well, teach my parents I, a lesson. And the way they filmed it too, um, you know, like the when Alice went out on the canoe, she was going out in the middle of the lake. I mean, like there was a 
pretty far distance out there. So I, I give her some credit. It looks like Chris had literally just left like 10 feet away from the shore because <laughs> her section of the lake that she was next to at Higgins Havens was just like a, a like a inlet of the lake or something. And it was like maybe, you know, like 20 feet wide or something at most. And like it, and it was more mostly swamp water at that. Like it, you know, like barely like, you know, it wasn't de- deep at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, you know, what, why the fuck did she go out in the middle of this like just little swampy patch of the lake or whatever. Yeah. See, I, I actually I actually like that scene when she realizes, holy shit, he's alive in full on panic mode and this fucker comes out like the stormtrooper. Yeah. To fucking lay down some shit. I would say more than a stormtrooper because he doesn't miss a shot. <laughs> okay, whatever. A death trooper then. <laughs> um so having said all that Comparing, uh, what do you think about the final girls? Just comparing them to the first three movies. Like, who is your favorite final girl in the first three? Uh, for the first three, it's gonna be um, uh, Jenny. Yeah, that's which is I sad because I, be. I thought I didn't like it. Well, because we're not comparing comparing to all the six that we watch, but I guess we'll do that once in the second episode. But um, I I thought Alice was too weak. Uh, Jenny was more forthcoming. Chris was just a little too. She it, like like my husband said she over she overacted and uh, she wasn't selling her trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. she was too flat in her portrayal of that character. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, which Jason, I, it has to be part three. Hands down, like, it's he's three. The best. Well, because that and is Jason, better, and he's better than Mama Voorhees. I he is like yeah, he, you know she's just. I mean, no offense to her, but yeah. you know, he's better killer. Definitely respect to to the writers and the creators for Mama before he's in the first one. Uh, more respect for them to keep carrying it on with Jason Voorhees. For sure, Jason's a true uh, Bushman. Yes. Uh, best boobs. Uh, it's it's from the second movie. I mean, she's like we've already discussed. She was total package. I mean, you know, fit body and all that. I. I mean, Debbie was fine from what I remember, and then you barely saw Marcy's from the first movie. So, I mean, it was just, I mean, by default, it, you know, it had to be Terry from the second movie for me, at least. Who was it in the third film? Uh, it was uh, Debbie. Oh, I thought it was Chili for some reason. No, I don't think Chili showed anything because remember, her and Chuck don't really fucking, yeah. they're, they're more worried about getting high than they are getting laid. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Hmm. Babe, what's your favorite boobs? Because I'm I'm having a hard time. Debbie. Debbie? Yeah. Debbie does Dallas. The other girl she, she has had, the other girl had she ass. Had bigger boobs. Yeah. yeah. The other girl had ass, but the other girl had dick. It's probably gonna be Debbie for me because I like I said, no no tiny titties. Debbie does Dallas. Yeah, there there's one that gets the award from all six movies, but we'll get to that in the second half. <laughs> uh favorite kill in all the movies. Uh I mean what are y'all thinking for, from that? Still the wheelchair. <laughs> that is such a... He fucking bam in the face, and then he goes for a tumble. Goes for a ride. I still think it's the spirit... I mean, or getting the two people speared while they're fucking. I just... I, that, I mean, that's classic Jason. They're they're pissing him off by having sex, and he can't have it with them. So, you know, he's just going... <laughs> he's going he's gonna to metaphorically fuck them, you know, uh, with a, with let me show you how to do this. Symbol. Oh, my God. Um... I guess I guess it's go it's still gonna be the electrocution for me for Chuck. 
<laughs> I, I, it just it's it's what it's more memorable it's, for me. It's Fried the most hippie. interesting kill. I mean, it's it's. I don't think that he electrocutes too many more people in the entire series, mm-hmm. so it is different. Yeah, you know. Again, but you still get to see the brute strength. Like he's throwing them into something. Uh, usually it's a window. This time it was a box. Yeah, but the moment he would touch it, it would have blew the breaker. Uh, yeah, I don't want to hear your reasoning. Some reasoning. <laughs> just pointing out the science behind it. Um, are you, do you want to go on to the trivia for these three movies? Yeah, let's do it. So, like I said, Sean Cunningham straight up admits he ripped off Halloween. Uh, he had directed softcore porn <laughs> prior to doing the first uh, Friday the 13th. And he was also the one that directed Last House on the Left uh, uh, with his help of his friend Wes Craven, who who went on to do mm. another series that we'll cover later on. Yeah, um, Wasn't Robert England in Last House on the Left, I thought? Mm, he might have been. I don't know. I, I, That's, I, I tend to avoid those movies just because I can't stand the like heavy rape movies. And, that, and it seems like Craven was on a – he just loved his rape movies like early on. That's all he did. Like, nothing gets you up right. in the morning like a good old rape. Yeah, if I remember <laughs> their burglars is what it is. If I, if I remember – I haven't seen that movie in a minute. Yeah, uh, well, no, he, it wasn't Robert England. It was uh, a gentleman by the name of David Hess, and he – Kind of in the photo they show of him, he he's similar to Robert England. Okay. Um. So, anyways, uh, they used Last House on the Left uh, to promote this movie. Whenever they're trying to sell it to distributors, they're like, "Hey, I was the one that did Last House on the Left. That's pretty crazy, right? You know, try this movie. You know, um, Vic Miller, who's the writer for this." you know, the first movie, uh, he said that the killer was originally going to be missing a finger and that that would be the way the audience realized who it was. Like if you were paying attention, he kind of, he was going to have like Pamela Voorhees, like, you know, like missing a finger and like you noticed it at some point in the movie, but they wrote it out to keep it like, you know, keep you guessing basically. Uh, Jason was originally going to be called Josh, uh, but Miller knew a kid named Jason when he was younger that he said was the little tattletale asshole and he didn't <laughs> like him. So that's why he kept the name Jason. <laughs> Josh Voorhees? I can't. That's what he was going to be called at one point in time. Joshua. Joshua. <laughs> My sweet, sweet boy. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't roll off the tongue the same. No, it doesn't. Uh, he states that Jason was unmistakably dead in his version of the story. So all this stuff about him being like, you know, uh, you know, that he was just lost or that they couldn't find the body and he came, he was alive. He said that, uh, that if you go by the, what he originally envisioned for the story, Jason was straight up dead as a child. So well, he had to die go. somehow. And then the money came in and you were like, no, he's alive. But if he had, okay. <laughs> but if he had died as a child, then we would have this weird, creepy child perv murderer. He wouldn't be the Sounds like Hollywood to me. Yeah, that's true. It does. Usually the Usually the victims are younger. Uh then Ezra Miller would be the uh uh, killer of the movies. Man, he's Uh, fast. He envisioned he envisioned Jason to be a normal child and that the Jason in the movie is a nightmare version of the real kid. So the whole mongoloid thing, he said, no, originally I had him. He was just a regular kid. So the mongoloid thing was just like a twisted nightmare version of Jason. And then when part two, they were like, no, fuck it. He's a mongoloid. That's what we're <laughs> <kidding."> <laughs> no. yeah. uh, in the, Let's see. Alice is only virginal in the movie because she never got the opportunity to fuck. That's straight up <laughs> what she he wanted said. to. She wanted to play strip poker. 
Yeah. That was he her said idea. It's just because she, he, yeah. she never had the chance to. It was the only reason why she never had sex. Uh, he did say, though, that the re- that, that did keep her, the reason she lived is because, she, unlike some of the others, she wasn't distracted, you know, by sex or drugs like the rest of them. Yeah. Although she did toke up in the one yeah, scene. Yeah, she was so. smoking weed when they were playing strip poker. Yeah. And she, she was drinking. Yeah, she wasn't completely the, the nice girl that they would later go on to have to be if they wanted to live. Uh, the goal was to make the counselors stupid, but not so ridiculously dumb, oblivious that the audience hated them. <laughs> I don't know that they hit that mark very well. I think with Annie, they kind of he kind of crossed the line, but you know whatever. Yeah. Uh, he hated the addition of the motorcycle cop by Ron Kurz because it took away from the initial plan to have Camp Crystal Lake feel super remote, like it was too far away from the police. Yeah, that motorcycle cop was. Um, I didn't care for that scene. He was just goofy. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's no need for him. Yeah, but you know what? That that <laughs> this because he showed up, it doesn't mean it's not remote. He could have been a herd of what's happening, knowing the shit that was going on at that lake, and because you, you don't really have the prior information too. How many people have got that 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 area then lost it because of weird shit? Yeah. He might have been out there like, hey, don't be fucking around out here. That's that's true. I mean, it might have added some realism to it. I mean, because they would have been concerned about all that. See, which would have, it would have given a prime example to set that up as though, you know, there's been people before you guys, all you guys end up doing stupid shit out here. It, it, it could have gave some tangible backstory a little bit to the shit that's been happening at the lake that's weird. That's true. I mean, but as they wrote it, like it really didn't serve either purpose. It kind of no. defeated the isolation. Yeah. Plus, it didn't really add to that backstory. Yeah, it was more irritating than anything. Uh, he said that Savini's first day on set, uh, that the uh, effects master walked up with a marked up script that punched up the opportunities for gore. He basically walked in like, you know, just, I mean, like a fucking boss and said, you know, like, here's the fucking script. Here's all the things you need to do to make, you know, the effects better. And that's how Savini worked it. So that's pretty badass. Nice. Uh, Miller needed the TNA in the script, uh, <laughs> and then the movie for himself, audience be damned. He's, I love this. And in that interview on Chris Lake memories, he said, I added the TNA for myself. I don't care if the audience wanted it or not. I just oh want to God. see some titties. <laughs> he wanted to see the titties. titties. That's what he said. Uh, he unconsciously reversed psycho with the mother mm. being a psychotic killer Im- imitating her child, you know? Yeah. And then, then he said years of therapy <laughs> later, he really, he realized that Mrs. Voorhees was actually the mother he wanted or needed as a child. Yeah, we have to nurture our children, you know, protect them at any cost. <laughs> really? Uh, it was filmed at Camp Nova Bosco in New Jersey. Uh, and uh, Bill, like I said, is Harry Crosby's son, or, or Harry Crosby is played Bill as Bill Bing Crosby's son. Uh, crazy Ralph actor scared uh, Marcy. Uh, Ron Kurz was sent in by the producers to do rewrites and the spy on the production of the movie. Wow. Um, he, uh, and he was the one that added that motorcycle cop scene that, you know, Vic Miller didn't like. Way to go, loser. And, and the actor who played the part of the motorcycle cop had not ridden a motorcycle before and fell <laughs> off him in that scene. Loser. <laughs> Uh, there's a rut row moment. Uh, that snickety snake that's in the movie was actually chopped to death in that movie, like live on camera. <laughs> oh, so that was, that oh, was a real, that was, was a real snake. Oh, and it was fuck. really chopped up. Fuck. Wait, was the scene where it was attacking, like, or doing that hissing? Was that real? It was just in the, that ca- the whole thing. It was a real snake. It was just in the cabin. They freaked out. <laughs> it was eating his rabbits. 
There's no way um, that snake would eat that rabbit. No way. You don't think? No. I thought it killed them. No, no, you're t- you're, oh. you're thinking about the wrong movie. You're oh. thinking about the wrong movie. That was, the, that was Oh, I know what you're talking about. Jason okay. killed those rabbits. Oh. Grabbed them by yeah, the ears and slammed them against the wall. Yeah, yeah, you're a fucking liar. Where, this one's where Bill came in and he hacked up the snake because uh, Alice or somebody, you know, yeah. noticed there was a black snake that was underneath the yes, bed. And that was that... a real snake and it was really hacked up. Yeah, I, uh, I, I thought that was real uh, in that one. So, okay, I was like, wow. They well, really I thought it was that? real, but I didn't realize they actually yeah. used a machete to actually chop it up on. And they said, and I was just like, okay, well, I thought mm. there was rules against this, but apparently that was before that time. Yeah, apparently. Not in New Jersey snakes. Fuck her. Kill him. <laughs> uh, Sean Cunningham hired Savini because he saw and liked the effects in Dawn of the Dead. And Savini, uh, of course, is was a war photographer in Vietnam, and he that's oh. reason his effects looked more realistic than Holy most during the time shit. period. He's, he's seen, seen some, some shit. shit. Yeah, yeah. And and if he he <clears throat> said if and Savini has always said if it didn't look real to him, it, he knew it wouldn't look real to the audience, so it wasn't good enough unless it looked real to him. Uh, the effects during the Kevin Bacon scene were a happy mistake. Uh, the pump that was used to deliver the blood quit during the scene, and one of the assistants that was under the bed had to blow air into the holes to get the blood to come out, causing it to spurt uh. out like it did, and it created that gurgling sound that uh. came through. <laughs> um, Annie is a stand-in for Janet Lee from Psycho, if you can believe it. Uh, it says that because we follow her for a bit as if she's the main lead before she dies quickly into the, into the film. Annie so, was, okay, why am I forgetting which one she was in? She's that stupid counselor that hops in the truck with Enos oh, okay. at the beginning of the movie. And, uh, like, you follow her for, like, a good little portion before she, you know, hops okay. out of the Jeep and then, like, gets stabbed or gets throat cut or whatever. I don't see it. But, okay, <laughs> go off. Yeah, she was supposed to be the cook. No, no, no. I know who she is. I don't see how she was a Janet Lee stand-in. Uh, it's just because it's you're supposed to think Annie's the main character until I mean this was before they you know the concept of a final girl really yeah. you know got traction. Yeah. Uh, Betsy Palmer, as we've said, thought the movie was trashed initially, but later says she came to appreciate it. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> she appreciated that paycheck. I need that, a car. That money. <laughs> yeah. Make it rain. Uh, the, the, we've already talked about the ki 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 ma ma ma, but that's what it's supposed to be, not the chi 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 ha 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 or whatever people thinks it is. Uh, the FX assistant uh, that was used for the scene where Mrs. Voorhees gets her head cut off was a guy, and you can clearly tell that because whenever the hands come up, you can see his hairy knuckles. <laughs> and, and Betsy Palmer said that she. So when she describes this scene, you can still tell that she has derision for this film because they this they interviewed her just a few years ago for Camp Crystal Lake Memories. And she's talking about this scene. She said, yeah, Savini came to me and said, do you want to come and see the scene where your head gets chopped off? And she's like, I don't care about that shit. That's what she says on, you know, as the, she didn't care. And she said that when she still sees the movie, she laughs because she said, you can tell that's a guy from the hairy knuckles. And so I'm like, well, you still hate the movie. I don't, you're lying about the, you know, that you appreciate it. Cause I mean, yeah, you should have did the scene then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but she couldn't be bothered. So they had to get somebody <laughs> else to do it. <laughs> well, that's what happens. Harry knuckles, Palmer. 
they uh, Carrie was what inspired the dream sequence. Um, Savini suggested a dream sequence to wrap up the movie after seeing Carrie. Uh, Kurz wrote the ending because Vic Miller refused to do that because his ending was having Mama Voorhees' head chopped off. And Vic Miller has gone on to call it Grand Theft Cinema. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Because they straight up ripped off the ending to Carrie with that dream sequence. I mean, they did it multiple times. It is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Sean Cunningham's son was originally going to be the one that played young Jason, but his mother wouldn't allow it. And when he talks about this on Crystal Lake Memories, he's not bitter at all about the fact that he missed out on being the first Jason. Let me tell you. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking bitch. (laughs) Mom, why wouldn't you let me do this? I could have been the first Jason. I could have got money at conventions. Fucking whore. (laughs) Fucking meatloaf, mom. I'm telling you, dude. This missed iconic roles. Uh, Gene Siskel hated the movie. Shocker, I know. Oh, my God. Worst movie I've ever ever seen. And went on to say that he thought it was a misogynistic response to the women's movement of the 70s, basically telling women to get back in the kitchen. Well, maybe they should get back in the kitchen (laughs) and keep it safe. How many girls ran around without fucking bras in this movie? Every one of them. None of them had bras, except for maybe, wait, wait, which one are we talking about? Because they, they started wearing bras later in the 80s. But for some reason, the first few films, yeah, like none of them wore bras. Four movies later, I think it was finally. the fourth one we started seeing bras. Up until then, it was full-on fucking free titty action. And the main killer's a woman, so I don't know how that's not feminine empowerment. I mean, like, that's, you know, that wasn't a when common thing. When is this guy going to fucking die, man? <laughs> Uh, get this, Noah. He went on. He further went on the public who publicly post Betsy Palmer's real life address, oh, yeah. and then he suggested that moviegoers write to her uh, with about their complaints of, of the film. And just so we're clear, Gene Siskel did die in 1999. I, yeah. Oh well, but whatever. <laughs> one of those he, fucks. He straight up posted the Betsy Palmer's real address and told people to dox her, like through through you know snail mail is what he, if he did. If she back in the had day. any cojones, she would have came out and say he sexually harassed me. Oh yeah, he touched <laughs> me. Watch this, bitch. Let me hold my beer real quick. Let me show you how this is done. <laughs> well, if it had taken place years later, she could have got by with that. Back in the day, he she would have probably that nobody would have paid attention to her if she said that. That's just how it was at that time period. Like if they came out with allegations, like they'd be like, whatever. Wait until we get Harvey. Weinstein on yeah. this, it, then you but really even see then, what like, like he was just a shitty uh, critic. I think it would have. I think it would have hurt his credibility. It might have in that case. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Sean Cunningham uh, thinks most of the other slashers that came out after this copied his mistakes, and but really, uh, they kind of missed the uh, his successes in the movie. Woo! Uh, that's kind of a hot take from him, but yeah. I mean, he 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 might be right because, like I said, I think the New Year's Evil might have copied at least a sound, you yeah. know. So, uh, and Adrian King, who played Alice, had a real life stalker after this movie. Uh, started receiving creepy phone calls, and he even broke into her apartment at one point. Uh, not only that, but he, but because she didn't know who it was, he actually worked his way into her personal life. And at one point, she was telling him, she was telling the stalker about the stalker. Like oh. It was a good oh. friend, she thought, and she was telling him what the stalker was doing to her. Holy shit. I wonder if she ever had sex with him. She would never admit it. Uh, she said that uh, it culminated mm. at the point where he actually had a gun to her head, and and uh, she and and she barely got out of that situation. I wonder That's if she used her wussy it. to get out of it. 
I don't know. She didn't mention survival so. ladies, <laughs> but that's crazy that, yeah. that got that actually happened to her in real life after this, uh, part two trivia. Savini heard the concept of part two and passed. <laughs> uh, he thought it was stupid as fuck and, uh, <laughs> he didn't want to do it. And he went on to work on the burning instead, which, uh, I will probably cover as the attack of the bees for the second half of the Friday movies because it is technically a camp killer, the same kind of concept, really. Uh, it was codenamed Jason so <laughs> that people didn't know that it was a Friday movie because Gene Siskel had poisoned the waters on that. Yeah, and they didn't know that it was Jason Voorhees. Yeah, they yeah, so they didn't, didn't know. I mean, it's just the word Jason. That could be anything. Uh, Steve Miner was a protege of uh, Sean Cunningham, like I said. Uh, Frank Mancuso Jr. was a young producer sent to the set to oversee it, and he would actually be the producer for, like, the next several films. So he kind of grew into the role of producing these movies. Um, Adrian King, like I said, was pissed about the way that Alice was killed. Boo, frickety ho. Well, she has a point, though. She said that Kurz was so blatant or you know about the whole thing that he didn't even write her lines he said just do whatever just say yeah. some stuff you're gonna we'll die you. bitch <laughs> that's basically what they told her uh and then you of think course he they secretly had the, wanted to see her titties and she didn't want to show him i mean that might have been part of it i don't know i mean <laughs> okay this shot we're gonna have you show your titties no. what am i doing just that just, we, is this gonna be the movie i don't know i might cut it <laughs> it's gonna be an a movie <laughs> And then the pick to her head actually caused her an injury because it didn't retract. So <laughs> that's a way to leave the movie. Uh, the female jet or the Jason that you see playing at the beginning of the movie, the feet that's stomping in, and then the pick to the head was actually played by a woman, <laughs> uh, Ellen Lutter. <laughs> uh, she is the only female to play the character, but there you go. Female empowerment. Wow. Uh, Warrington Gillette and Steve Dash both played Jason in the movie, and that's a big source of contention. Warrington was the one originally hired to movie, hired to do the movie, but supposedly he couldn't or wouldn't do the stunt scenes. You have a character that is all about stunts, and the fucking guy you hire refuses to do the stunts. So the producers called Steve Dash and said, "Hey, will you fill in for the shit that this guy won't do?" And he said, "Sure," you know, because he was a stunt guy. Dash is pissed off because Warrington took all the credit for the role and he didn't get any, even though he did most of the actual uh, hard, you know, the scenes that required the, the hardest work. That's fucked up. <laughs> it really is. It's, I mean, seriously, it, it, Warrington played this part, uh, acted like he was playing, like I get to be the face, the, 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 of uh, this. It's like, what kind of face are you talking about? That Goonie, you know, yeah. looking motherfucker. I mean, like, what 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 did what were you hired to do? I mean, like he literally re- refused to do the part that was he was supposed to do the most of. Um, the sackhead design was just utilitarian. It was the cheapest way to cover the face and the save on special effects makeup, and it was inspired by the town that dreaded sundown. Oh yeah, which had a similar concept. Yeah. Um, and then Steve Dash actually said <laughs> that uh, it was hard for him to film the scenes where he had to run around with that uh, initially with that, you know, the way the mat, because that eye hole would like move. So fucking he was, like, told trouble. you. I said it. I called it. No but, fucking way this guy ran around. But he said that they used like double back tape 
on the inside of the mask, and he said it, it stuck perfectly, and he was able to see from then on once they oh, did that. nice. A, a, you know what we call that out change, here? Titty tape. It doesn't change the fact that Jason himself wouldn't have been able to see. Yeah. yeah. So, and I that, but look, all and remove all the, the Hollywood lights in the equation. There's no way this one-eyed fuck ran through the dark chasing somebody down. I think he did. <laughs> you need to have a little faith. <laughs> well, it might have been his first demon powers was infrared vision or something. Yeah, you know? <laughs> is, is I mean, predator vision. <laughs> you know, when, once he died yeah, and became a zombie, vision. he could see perfectly out of both eyes. So, I mean, and when I say predator vision, I mean the the other kind of predator. Not <laughs> like the... <laughs> I don't know. He was going after some teens. That's still considered considered a predator. Yeah, of the human coined. Um. Every male on set volunteered to help during the skinny dipping scene with Terry. Mm-hmm, I'm sure they did. <laughs> they all offered to be the towel boys. Can I, can I hold the camera? I'll hold the camera. <laughs> Man, what a time to be alive if they had cell phones that could actually record. Yeah, they, they could have got well, a lot of stuff from that. Yeah. Yeah, she was fully uh, she was fully nude, wasn't she? Yeah, no yeah, bush though. She was. No, she had a bush. She had a small amount of bush. A small amount. She didn't have what you would like uh, a bush bush. Well, she didn't spread her legs open, so that's hard to make <laughs> that statement. Uh, you can tell when somebody has. You'll have to always spread to see that. Russell Todd, who played Scott, you know the one that was hung up in the movie uh, from the tr- you know from the rope. He says that eagle-eyed fans have rightly rightfully pointed out that when he is cut, he is cut by the dull side oh, of the yeah. machete. Uh yes, but there's a reasoning behind that. There's a there's a type of machete where that is a possibility that it's on both ends or one end. So there's machetes one mm. ends one side will be blunt and the other side that has a curve reversed, it'll be sharp on that side cuz the hook will actually help when you cut into things. It won't slide off the end of it. So yeah. that is an actual design of a machete. Well, that's fair. It's uh, it's just, you know, people pointed that out as kind of a mistake, and he can't really argue against it because it was that side. But, I mean, if it could be used that way, then maybe it's not a mistake necessarily. Uh, Tom McBride, who played Mark, the wheelchair guy, was actually gay in real life. And uh, actress Lauren Marie Taylor, who played Vicky, didn't know that, and she spent the entire time filming <laughs> uh, flirting with him behind the scenes because she actually thought he was hot. Get it, girl. Uh, and he had to tell her one day that he was definitely not her type, or <laughs> vice versa. She was not his type. She was, she was not his type. I mean, like so. That's he let why, her know that it didn't work out. It wasn't going to work out between the two of them. That's why she didn't come back to go see him. She's like, "Fuck this! I'm just going to take my time." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she was. Uh, she claimed that she was a good Catholic girl. Uh, that she was so inexperienced with drug use that she had no idea what to do with a joint when she was, you know, supposed to light it up. So when she has that line where she asked Mark to toke up, she said everybody in the crew lost it and wouldn't let her live it down for the rest of the film. They were basically giving her shit. It's like ah, toke it up, you know. It's like that sort of thing. Oh my god! She had no idea how marijuana, you know, how you're supposed to even handle it. So the Mary Joanna. It's like a loaded uh, gun. <laughs> Sean Cunningham swears he didn't steal from Bay of Blood and and either the double uh, spear death or the machete of the face. Uh, He says that he didn't even know about that film until years later. Uh I don't know if I believe him. No. Uh, Call bullshit right there. (laughs) (laughs) They're too close. They are too fucking close. Uh, Amy Steele, who played Jenny, uh, missed her mark when she was striking the pickaxe held by Steve Dash. You know, yet again, Steve Dash doing the work here. And the shrine scene, it actually caused him to get 13 stitches to his Ow. middle finger. His middle finger. Oh, fuck. <laughs> no. He said that he used to go around and people ask him, like, "What? how'd you get hurt? And he would have to hold up his middle <laughs> finger, too. <laughs> uh, but 13 of all, of of all, all numbers. numbers. Yeah. 
but that sucks. I mean, you you look at that scene and you realize that he actually got hit during the filming of that scene. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Ouch. And then Warrington takes off. Yeah, I was Jason in this movie. I didn't do anything. I didn't get my hand cut in that scene or anything, but I was Jason. I did everything. <laughs> uh, the part 3D trivia. It was codenamed Crystal Japan, like I said. Love that name. Uh, originally going to be set in the trauma hospital with Jenny returning to be stalked by Jason. Uh, Jenny actress turned it down, not wanting to be pigeonholed into the role, uh, says she regrets it now. Uh, so it was this one that was going to have the return of the final girl, not, uh, not the second one. So I was kind of mistaken on that. Uh, Steve Miner told Jason actor Richard Brooker to never ask for motivation. He said, you only exist to kill. You are the human version of Jaws. <laughs> and that's what Richard Brooker did. Wow. So when, so anytime that Richard Brooker would come and like, what am I about? He's like, you have no, mo- you just kill you, you kill. And that's how, that's what you do. Yeah. You know, uh, Steve minor uh, cameos is the new cast newscaster at the beginning scenes when, uh, Edna is watching the TV. Uh, the grips carried guns on set to kill rattlesnakes <gasps> because the place they were filming at, and I believe it's California, was just rolling with rattlesnakes. Oh, yeah. It might have been, you know, but it was rolling with rattlesnakes, and they had to just constantly uh, shoot them to get Holy them. Holy shit! California has a fuck ton of rattlesnakes. Uh, and I just think it's a good thing Alec Baldwin wasn't working on this film. Wow. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Thought it was a rattlesnake. <laughs> on my head? Rattlesnake. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, the 3D seeds took forever to set up and had lots of technical issues when they did them. Uh, and then, of course, like I said, Shelley's actor, Larry Zerner, actually said that everyone was more concerned with getting the 3D right than they were about the acting, which it shows. Uh, Dana Kimmel, who played Chris, argued not to have her character uh, be raped by Jason, as I've said. I think it would have uh, lent more credibility to her characters overreacting if they had done that. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know. The way the movie sets it up, it still is very ambiguous about what happened to her. I mean, so it's still, it doesn't not, you know, preclude <laughs> that from the, you know, discussion. Uh, the hockey mask was a fluke, and no one really remembers who suggested it, <laughs> although Marty J. Sadoff, the 3D supervisor, takes credit because him and his 3D film crew were huge hockey fans. I don't believe so. him. <laughs> I don't. But... We got the hockey mask, so yeah. that's all that matters. I think it was uh, the guy who played uh, Shelly. <laughs> you think it was just straight up him yeah. that suggested it? It was someone uh, small and meaningless, and some big wig was like, whoa, it was me, and this is why. Just shut the fuck <laughs> up, Mark, or Martin. Uh, Brooker, who played Jason, says the books following him later in the film were actually real, and they actually hurt whenever, yeah. he actually, whenever they were hitting him. Because, I mean, she just slams the whole, like, bookcase down, and they just falling down on top of him in that scene. You think they would have, like, made... Fake like, books? Yeah. Yeah, you would have thought, but no, they didn't. <laughs> Uh, Chris hanging on the beam in the barn required the actress to actually hang 20 feet up in the air. Uh, she was actually hanging in that scene. I don't, they didn't. And I guess they did have a harness on her because she did suffer several bruises from, uh, filming that. All right. Uh, it took Richard Brooker six hours for the Jason makeup to be applied. Um, and he couldn't eat with a mask on and had liquid lunches for his lunch breaks. Which is insane because I'm not sure which one it is, but they had one of the Jason's bulk up. I thought not like muscular, but put weight on. I thought. 
Well, it wasn't that he was trying to lose the weight. It was just that they wouldn't smarten this one. Like in six, what they did for zombie Jason was for CJ Graham. They did the full on zombie makeup. The very first thing when you see him like come out of the grave. Yeah. But then later on, like it, they cut out the section that would be covered by the hockey mask so that they wouldn't have to have makeup applied. There. Yeah. They, they didn't do that to Richard Brooker. They made him get in that goofy, you know, mongoloid mask, then put the hockey mask Stupid. on top of it. Oh my God. That's, I mean, dumb. <laughs> whatever. You got to learn. Um, uh, the three, three masks were constructed for Jason, uh, of the mongoloid variety. Uh, the best was designed by Stan Winston, but it was only used for an alternate ending that actually never got used. <laughs> so the best mask they had actually wasn't in the movie. Uh, and three endings were considered for the movie. The ending that's in the film, there's an alternative ending where Chris cuts off Jason's head using a sickle, but they didn't use that because they wanted a sequel, obviously. Yeah. So and then there was a dream sequence where Jason cuts off Chris's head. Woo! That would have um, been cool. Uh, Marilyn Poucher, who plays Mrs. Voorhees' corpse, had to lay in a real swamp water while filming her scenes. Yeah. And then they would dump, like, uh, worms on her face yeah. before she rose up out of the water. No! <laughs> uh, Friday the 13th... Uh, Part 3D knocked E.T. out of the top spot of the box office whenever it premiered. Yeah. Oh, I bet Siskel and Ebert were pissed. <laughs> I guarantee they were pissed because that was their pick of a movie. Oh, I know. I bet uh, it was. Uh, well, they, I mean, we've discussed this before. They went on to say that E.T. was much better than The Thing that year. So, I mean, you know, they that was their baby, and it got kicked off by one of their most hated movies. So that had been bad for them. You know what gets uh, me? Was, the whole idea of watching a movie is to be transplanted into the movie and and the, the make it super tangible. I guarantee E.T. didn't pull it off. But the thing, I guarantee <laughs> that feeling goes over you while you watch that movie. It it does, but they, they didn't like horror. Like, they, they straight up never, I don't think they appreciated any horror movie. Like, there might, if there was, it was like way later on, and maybe after Siskel died, Niebuhr was still around. That was about it. Uh, Tracy Savage, who played Debbie, became a newscaster in real life and actually covered the O.J. Simpson trial. <laughs> oh, my God. So the one who has the best tits, uh, according to the Noah of the series, went on to cover the OJ trial. That's that's kind of weird. Real murderers. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to say before we wrap this episode up and get ready for, and then to, and we'll continue on in, in the next episode. Do we have anything else? I don't think so. I think I think we're I think we're ready to discuss the other half of. <laughs> I just said the other quarter. <laughs> No, well, it's technically the other quarter. I mean, it really is. Yeah. Uh, so, well, uh, thank you all for listening and join us for the next episode for the discussion of parts four through six. Wrong one. <laughs> <laughs>